We're just an hour or so away from the announcement on All-Star Reserve, so we'll find out whether the Kings will have a couple All-Stars again this year. Kyle Draper in Indianapolis. Uh, I'm here in Sacramento. Uh, it looks like if there is a consensus on the chat for what that's worth, Drapes, looks like the consensus is Sabonis probably will make it. De'Aaron Fox probably won't. I think I would agree with that just in terms of what's likely to happen. How do you see that? No, I agree. I mean, when you look at what Sabonis is doing, you know, putting up numbers we haven't seen since Wilt. Uh, you look at, you know, De'Aaron's recent slide and the competition uh, for that, you know, guard spot, if you will. Um, I, I think it'll probably be B Sabonis. Um, but, you know, it, it's interesting. Like, I would have still argued despite his slide, De'Aaron Fox is deserving as well. Sure. You know, nobody's, you know, playing at the high level every single game. Like, Steph Curry probably will make it. And I went on record last week as saying, I think De'Aaron Fox, you know, deserves it more than Steph Curry. The numbers are similar, but the team results matter to me. And so uh, I I think they're both deserving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there are a lot of guys deserving that won't get it. But for me, here's why, from from the standpoint of someone who wants to see the Kings do well, I'd be okay if neither of them did. I'd be surprised, and I know that'd be disappointing to a lot of people, but here's where I'm going. One, both players could use the rest. I know De'Aaron Fox was talking about that to uh, Chris Biederman from the B saying, you know, yep. he appears to be, looks like maybe he's been dealing with something physically. We don't know, but he could benefit from a few days just off, off. And I think Sabonis as well, as hard as he works. So that'd be one upside there. Two, I would like to see one or both of them come back with a vengeance in the second half, trying to prove to everyone, hey, I should have been an all-star. I think, <laughs> you know what I mean? I think both those guys are the type that they already play hard as it is. Uh, I could really see them finding a new level if they play that way. And thirdly, and finally, to me, uh, and I hate to say this, but the All-Star game to me now at this point is like, uh, I don't get that excited about it anyway. So I recognize the honor and I recognize the upside for the players and for the franchise. But I think there's would also be upside if one or both don't even make the team. No, I hear what you're saying, you know, especially the, the motivation factor. Uh, that that's a possibility, you know, the snub factor, if you will. And, you know, when you look at both guys who made the all-star team last year, it really wasn't that enjoyable of an experience, the actual game or right. anything like that. First right. of all, you go there, you you know, you may take your family, you may not, you got all these uh, sponsor events, agent events, things like that, advertising events. And so it's not a chance to go just re- rest and relax. And you're right. And I would throw out there too, both guys are, are fathers now, too. Yeah. Like, they yeah. got young ones, you know? Maybe they do want to get away, go to a beach on a nice long vacation. The Kings have about a week off for All-Star break. Get a little R&R. Mm-hmm. So, I agree with you. You know, it's like we want our guys to be represented. We want our our, our franchise to be represented. But in, in, in terms of actual impact on the season, you're right. It may be better for them to miss the All-Star game. You know, it would be nice. I can go on and talk about DeMontis Sabonis, four-time All-Star. Right. De'Aaron yeah. Fox, two-time. Like, it sounds sexy. <laughs> it sounds great. But, you know, from a longevity standpoint, you know, looking at the longer view of this season, uh, them skipping Indianapolis, you know, it'd be different if it was in Miami or L.A. or somebody somewhere fun. No offense to Indy, but it's like, who wants to come to Indy in February, especially considering what the All-Star game is now? I mean, 
that game was awful last year. Oh, yeah. And, like, Darren Fox looked like he didn't even want to be there, and I don't blame him. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, he just wasn't even a part of it, really. And so, uh, no, I'm with you, man. I I would not mind those guys missing the All-Star. I want them to get the recognition, and then I wish they didn't have to actually go. Yes, yes, because when you're there, everybody who makes it, even Keegan to a degree, although he's just there for the for the Friday Rising Stars. But, yeah. I mean, you're really in a fishbowl when you're there, right? Yo, you really are. It's, it, you know, and everything is scheduled out for you, too. Like, there's all kinds of, like, not only agent events, but I mentioned advertisers. I'm sure Under Armour and Steph Curry brand will have something that they want De'Aaron Fox to do. I'm sure Domas will have something. Like, their calendars, their schedules Mm -hmm. are packed. And so it's not like they can get here, sleep in. And then you got the practices, you know, the open practices where the fans come in. You know, it's just, it's a lot for these guys. And, you know, especially with the schedule the Kings have, think about this, Whitey. They just came off a long road trip and then had a couple of home games. We got this seven-game road trip, and then... We got two home games, Detroit and uh, Denver, and then you're back on the road for three or four more. And so this month of February is brutal for the Kings, especially right before the All-Star break. So they could use some rest and relaxation. There you go. Yeah, Ryan Williams-Ard on the chat says, NBA All-Star game is the Pro Bowl on hardwood. (laughs) That's very well said. Yeah, and when it it got so bad in football where no one played defense that they had to stop playing the game – and now they just played that glorified grab ass, whatever they call it. It's the Pro Bowl games. NBA, <laughs> we tolerated more because we like baskets, but it's it's tough to watch. No, it really is. It just it, it's it's been going down and down and down. And you know they're going back to East versus West. I don't know if that matters. You know, ultimately it's going to come yeah, down to matter. the players to yeah. say, you know what, we want to be competitive. Like to let Jason Tatum just throw up open three after open three last year like that wasn't exciting for anybody other than Celtics fans and Jason Tatum like I I was there with my son and it was like the most boring basketball I've ever seen and so uh oh hopefully it'll you know I go back to the to the late 80s early 90s when you know games were really competitive these all-star games they actually meant something I don't know if you do you know something like baseball did you know, with home court advantage or something like that to make it a little more interesting. But they need to fix All-Star Weekend. Mm -hmm. I guess uh, it gets ratings and they still make money, so I don't know. It is funny, though, like you pointed out, going back to East versus West. Remember, they went away from that because nobody cared, Mm -hmm. and then they had, oh, we're going to pick our own players like Playground, and now they're going back to it like, oh, this was really cool. It's like, well, then why did you switch it? So they're desperately looking for answers right now. They, they are. And, uh, I'm looking at the text line. Uh, somebody from the 916. Come on, Kyle. Fox is not having an all-star year, but Sabonis is. Is there a, a doubt that De'Aaron Fox is not having an all-star year, Whitey? Or is that a debate? I, I think we got some recency bias going on when people look at De'Aaron Fox. I mean, his numbers are better this year than they were the year he actually made the all-star game yeah. last year. And so I think De'Aaron is definitely deserving this year. Yeah, I do too. And we all know not to, you know, dodge the question, but there's more deserving players than there are spots. But if right. you just, if you said we could take one of your two Kings, I think mm. Sabonis would deserve it. And my guess is that, 
coaches who select the uh, reserves, you know, he does a lot of things that the coaches just love, right? I mean, look at the screens yeah. he sets and the rebounding and triple doubles. He's so efficient. Those are the things that coaches just love about a player. <laughs> Let me ask <laughs> right? you this, though. When you th- yeah, but when you think best player on the Sacramento Kings, I'm not talking if you watch them day in and day out. I'm talking if you're, you know, uh, Joe Missoula in Boston or if you're Jock Vaughn in Brooklyn. When you think Sacramento Kings, who do you think of? Well, I'm a bad guy to ask because, you know, my guy, and I'm in the minority, is Keon Ellis. But beyond that, I know that's not really really the answer you're looking for. But, yeah, it's De'Aaron Fox, right? He's still the face of the franchise. That's that's what I wonder about, like. How much thought are they really putting into this? Mm-hmm. Are they looking at the numbers? Are they, you know, looking at the impact and things like that? And so it'll be interesting. Hopefully, uh, you know, uh, we'll find out here, shoot, in less than an hour now. Yeah. It'll be interesting uh, who they give it to. Now, I wanted to ask you about something that concerned me about last night and see what you thought. And yeah. again, we're not making it's one loss. They've been playing well. It's not the world's is not coming to an end. But last night, in some ways, the way Miami played with more intensity than you usually see from them, the way Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler actually showed up, it had a little bit intensity-wise of a playoff feel. And it didn't feel like, don't get me wrong, it wasn't like, whoa, but some of the right. pace and the way the game was played, a little bit of a grind, kind of like a playoff game, and the Kings' offense was not very effective. And it reminded me of last year when they got into the playoffs against the Warriors and the offense, which had been so effective all year long, kind of ground to a halt. That concerned me a little bit, should I be concerned or just, hey, like you said earlier, did they just miss shots? No, nah, I wouldn't be concerned because I, I didn't feel like the Kings came with that playoff intensity, Yeah, if you will. I thought Miami did. I thought the Kings came with their C-plus game, their B-minus game. I didn't think, you know, the cuts were as hard. I didn't think, you know, the defense was as strong. And so I, I, I'm not, you know, what I would be worried about to an extent, and the Warriors did this, DeMontis Abonis at the free throw line has to make quicker decisions. And to your point, against the Warriors last year, the offense became very stagnant. It happened again last night. Guys just standing around, not a whole lot of ball movement, not a whole lot of player movement. And so that's, I think, been an issue for the Kings all season long. You know, at times the offense can bog down. And so... I don't want to say, you know, because it was a playoff kind of field that Miami was bringing that Sacramento, you know, that it would be a cause concern because I think it, w- it probably would have been a cause for concern before last night as well. Uh, it's definitely something the Kings have to uh, work on because I remember last year, Whitey, all throughout the season, we talked about, you know what, when the playoffs come, the game slows down, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, it, it gets, it gets harder. And everybody's like, ah, don't worry about it. That Kings offense is, you know, the greatest ever. It'll be okay. But it really wasn't. And so, you know, I I need to see different wrinkles. I would love to see a little more pick and roll. You know, we do it with Malik Monk. You know, when he comes out there, Malik and a big man, but not as much with De'Aaron Fox. I like to see it with De'Aaron Fox, you know, and not necessarily always running it through DeMontis Sabonis. Kings came up short in a rarely cited statistical category last night that their coaches say is critical. Drapes touched on it earlier. We'll break that down for you when we come right back. Drive Guys, Sackdown Sports. Hey, coming up, less than an hour now, we should get the announcement on who the All-Star Reserves are. Also today, 
with the Drive Guys. James Donaldson joins us uh, 4.30. James Donaldson uh, went to Burbank High, played a long time in the NBA, and he's going to be inducted into the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame this weekend. And Shouts then, out a former Titan. Yeah. It's my yeah. high school as well. All right. Yeah. And then okay. at 530. Okay. Gods. The uh-huh. high school of gods. You know, Titans. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Matt Barnes at 530. He's also going to be inducted. Let me ask you guys a question real quick, and then we'll get back to things. Um, my father is in the Vallejo Sports Hall of Fame because he was a sports writer for many years. And That's we, what's up, man. Yeah. When he was inducted, uh, which would have been... I don't know, quite a 20, I don't know, 15 years ago, whatever it was. They asked me to MC, which I did, of course. I was happy to do. And I, you know, I didn't charge him or anything. It's like, that's ah, my dad, it's Vallejo. They have that every year. They haven't invited me back. <laughs> they haven't even asked, Man. hey, you want to guest host? You did it I mean, once, I, that's it? Yeah. And, you know, I'm from there. And, uh, oh, I don't wow. Know. Did, you, did you think I must have tanked it? or? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, for them not to invite you back, that's that's an indictment on you, I think. <laughs> Look, I, I'm going to come from the positive half glass full side. Look at how many people actually are the repeat host of award shows. Most people oh, okay. only do it once. All right. There okay. are a few, you know, uh, like I okay. know okay. Key, Key is doing the NFL honors again for the second time. But most of the time, most people only do it one time and get out of there. Okay. All right. So even Drapes though- is trying to shoot you down, man. <laughs> right now, Drapes is in a negative. That's my guy and all. But right now, because how the Niners are operating and the Kings took an L, he's negative. in a he's in a and he left Miami to go to Indianapolis. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Ouch. He, he, he's not on one right now. Ouch. Yeah. And what's up with these hotel rooms, man? Uh, yesterday <laughs> it was the ballroom. Like the lighting is just. I need some upbeat lighting or something, dude. This is it. Just. These are nice hotels, but man, it makes me just want to fall asleep in here. What kind of view do you have? No, you don't want to see that. You don't want to see this view. <laughs> Let me hold on for a sec. Is that alley or something? Or just... <laughs> I'm gonna go check it out real quick. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Drake's got um, a nice little suite nah, you got there, yeah, right? You don't want to see this view. Okay. You don't want to see this view. Yeah. <laughs> that looks like it's, a. It's is it a, is it a little suite you have, or just uh, it's very comfortable? Uh, no, it's sitting. a nice room. It's, yeah. it's well appointed. It's just, uh, it's it, there's like a building right across the way right here. Like uh-huh. my view is of another building, like the side <laughs> of a building. So it's uh, that's all right. I, I, I'm I'm low man on the totem pole here. You, you know, won't be there long. I, I'm not. You know, I'm sure De'Aaron and Mike Brown and Domas they got the best views. Yeah, you won't be there long. <laughs> Ryan, on, look yeah. at this in the uh, YouTube. Ryan says drapes reporting from a 1970s dental <laughs> office waiting room. Yeah. That's what it feels like, man. This lighting is killing me, man. I got to get out of here. Um, You talked about some earlier that was really interesting to me. I heard uh, Luke Laux was on with the G-Man last night on the Mm pregame, and I heard him say something, and I know Chris Watkins heard it because he tweeted it and you alluded to it, and it really interested me. And here's the thing. The Kings, the coaching staff, they, they think it's really important to get 20 deflections. Which is just, yes. we're just talking about you get your hand in the way of a pass, right? No matter where it goes, it's just you're deflecting a pass, right? That's a deflection. Yeah. And so. Right. The, the, a, yeah. Get your yeah. hands on it. Uh huh. So the coaching staff says by their numbers, they're 15 and three when they get 20 or more deflections. So that's yep. really interesting. And then last night, I guess the first half uh, it was a deflect a palooza, but not so much in the second half. And maybe that reflected a kind of a lack of uh, defensive intensity last night. Yeah. And, and that's something they chart, right? And uh, Mike Brown said they had 11 deflections 
in that first half. And and, and correct me, Whitey, I, I forget what he did. He say three in the second half. Something I think like it was. that. Yeah, he even uh, talked. Coach even yeah. talked about it in the post game. Yeah. Yeah, he talked about it in the post game, and you know that that's an indicator of whether or not your your defense is flowing or not. And you know, I went back to what I said earlier. You know, we can talk about the Kings' offense and and everything like that, and the zone bothering them. You know, I think a lot of it was missing shots. But when you allow Miami to shoot fifty percent from the field, forty six percent from three, to have thirty eight assists against you, like this isn't. I said it during you know one of the timeouts. I'm like, when did the the, the Miami Heat become the 2017-18 Warriors with Kevin Durant, the way they were moving the ball and getting open looks. And so uh, they weren't active defensively enough. They only forced 10 turnovers, only had six points off those turnovers. And so I felt like Miami was very comfortable yesterday. Not a whole lot of resistance from Sacramento. Yeah, on the other hand, we knew that the Heat at some point was going to bring something, having lost seven in a row. And you know they they're not a terrible team. Um, so you, you had an inkling as we discussed that they were going to be ready for that game last night. They talked about, uh, they had to come a kind of a come to Jesus Cristo meeting with the whole team going over <laughs> video and everything, but the Kings still had a chance to win the game last night. That's what was a, a little frustrating. Not that the Kings were so terrible, but that they just weren't able to seem to mount that run that they needed to take control of that game. Right. Yeah, and somebody uh, on a YouTuber text line, I think, said it. You know, the difference between last year and this year is fourth quarter Fox Mm. has not been there. Like, De'Aaron Fox last year, it seemed like every fourth quarter, he was just waiting to turn it up, and he delivered. This year, not so much. And, you know, I'm not sure what's going on with De'Aaron. I I think, you know, he was playing at a – think about it. Last year, he was all NBA third team. He was one of the top six guards – in the entire association, his numbers are better now, but I feel like the impact and, 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 you know, helping this team win, especially as of late, you know, it, it hasn't been as consistent as last year. And so I, I think we need more from De'Aaron Fox. And, and I said this the other day, and it's not like we need De'Aaron Fox to go out there and score 30 points. I, I need timely De'Aaron Fox. I need fourth quarter Fox to show up. I need De'Aaron to take over games, and he's shown it at times this season, but maybe not as much as last year. Yeah, as you said, you look at his body of work for the year, he's having a better year, but you also pointed out, you know, November, December, it's like, wow, he's taking his game to a whole new level, and then this month it's been, okay, something's not quite right, and maybe we'll find out what it is, maybe we won't, but if he does make the all-star team, maybe he'll get some of the rest he needs, Maybe that's part of it. But he's been, even though this year is better than last year, this month has not been nearly as good as the previous two months of this season. Well, this month, get this, Whitey. I got the numbers right in front of me. 22.5 points per game De'Aaron Fox is averaging. This is a guy that averaged 31 in the month of October, 30 in November, 29 in December. A seven-point drop-off from December to January. And it's not like his assist shot up. And then, you know, that's the reason why his numbers are down because he averaged 6.4 assists in December and January, just 4.5. It's the shooting numbers. It's not taking as many attempts. I, I feel like as well, uh, it, it, something's off with him. He might be tired. Like you said, he might need this extended break during all-star break to sort of hit the recharge button and get ready for the second half. Yeah, if I had to guess, I'd guess it is physical. 
and maybe it's not, you know, an injury per se, but last year, one of the things that it just I couldn't believe he would do it is whenever it was time for fourth quarter Fox, and I mean virtually whenever it was time for him to take over, he would get yeah. to his spot, which was usually like the bottom of the circle, and from there either create or hit that little floater. Like every single time. It was incredible. The other team would know what yeah. was coming. The Kings would run their offense through Domas for three quarters and fourth quarter. It's like, we're doing a different thing now and you can't stop it. And he just hasn't had that ability this year to get to that spot. He's just doesn't, he's not able to impose his will on defenses the way he was able to last year. And I got to think on some level that's, it's got to be physical. Yeah. And, and not only that, Whitey, his efficiency numbers aren't what it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had a tremendous year last year. When you look at 51% from the field shooting for a guard at his size, yeah. that is just unheard of. Like this year, it's back to 46.7 from the field. So he's making more threes. He's taking more threes, but his two percentage, two point percentage is way down. Is it because, you know, teams are game planning for him more? Uh, he's taking more difficult shots. I don't know, but 46.7% from the field. That would be his lowest percentage from the field since his second year in the league. And so even his efficiency numbers are down this season when it comes to shooting outside of the three-point range. So do you think, and I think you do because I think you've said this today, if I'm not mistaken, do you think games when it looks like Fox is not able to carry as heavy an offensive load and maybe Malik's not either, that Maybe Domas needs to try to assume um, a bigger scoring responsibility. Yeah, I mean, at times, like I said yesterday, I thought he turned down a lot of foul mm-hmm. line jumpers. Like to me, that should have been, uh, you know, uh, water. Like that yeah. should have been routine, automatic for him, especially when facing that zone. Get it, turn around, pop it. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, that should have been automatic. But also. Keegan Murray has to be yeah. that second scoring option. You know, uh, you know, we're at a point now where, you know, Darren Fox shouldn't have to always be that guy for us to win. You know, some nights it's Keegan. And so I- I'm just upset that, you know, Keegan goes off for 33 and then nobody else outside of Domas has it going on. It's like, man, can't we figure out to where everybody's clicking or, you know, we have four or five guys clicking instead of one guy and then everybody else struggling. And so that was a little disappointing last night. But, you know, regarding De'Aaron Fox, I, I keep mentioning it. He takes eight threes per game. That's not a whole lot in today's game, especially when you're shooting 38%. I need to wonder, is he getting to the paint as much? What about the free throw line as well? I'm looking at his attempts. He's at 6.8. That's up from six last year, but his percentage too whitey. He's at 72.4% from three-point range. Last year, he shot a very respectable 78%. And so that's a big difference, too, in these games. Mm -hmm. By the way, speaking of threes, uh, real quick here, I mentioned James Donaldson's going to be on the show. He played in 957 games. Do you know how many threes he attempted? And he played in the 80s and in the 90s. He has a yeah, record. I, I, got, he, I actually have his page right here, yeah, so yeah. I, I won't answer the yeah. question. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? He holds the record for most games played in the three-point era without ever taking one. <laughs> not even take, taking no. one. Not a half-court <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we'll see what he thinks of how the game has changed when he joins us at 430. When we come back, uh, it's trade talk today, and we'll tell you why. Uh, some are now suggesting we could be in for a dud of a deadline with the drive guys next on Sackdown Sports. 
Kyle Draper in Indianapolis and Whitey Gleason. Drapes, what do you think of the big NBA news? The NBA draft is going to be held uh, this, what, spring, summer, June? Over two nights instead of one. Woo! Whoa! Uh, Whoa! You know, <laughs> I like it from a media standpoint covering it because, you know, I don't have to do this anymore, but I remember we used to have to wait till the entire draft was over. This is back when I was uh, out East. Uh, the entire draft was over to hear from the coach and the GM. So the draft would end at like 1130 midnight and you're there waiting to do interviews afterwards. So I like it from that point, but nobody's clamoring for no. second round draft picks. <laughs> like the second, the second day of the draft is going to be like one of the lowest rated programs ever. Like, Who's going to stick around and get excited about the second day of the NBA draft? I, I don't like it from that vantage point. I, I think it's a waste of time, really, to be honest with you. Like, and they should shorten the draft itself. Like, you know, make it, uh, you know, first round three minutes, second round two minutes. Like, mm-hmm. let, let's go. Like, it doesn't have to be as long and drawn out as it is. Yeah. The draft, they used to have a lot of rounds of the of the NBA draft, but I'm with you. Yeah. The way I like that it's the way it has been, where it's all one night, so that you know, all right, whatever team or teams you're interested in, you know who picked whom, you know all the picks, like the next day. It's like, all right, right. great. And now it's like, okay. And the other thing is, as you said, the second round is a little more anticlimactic. So it's like the first right. night, and then the second night's like, well, who we were really that excited about? You know, who gets picked in the second round? And I know the NFL pulls it off, but you can't compare yourself to the NFL. The rules don't apply. Yeah, because they're on a whole yeah the rules don't apply. Level. You're you're right. And and here's the thing about the NBA draft, too. It's like once you get midway through the first round, maybe, you know, 22, 23, like a lot of guys, people are like, all right, I don't know much about this guy. It's crazy that the NFL is able to pull it off as much as it does because – there are a lot of guys drafted that we have no clue right, who right. they are, really. Yeah, and you watch what a six round whatever, and they still and now the six round pick, the Tennessee Titans, and they show all these <laughs> drunk Titans fans are like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they have no clue who this guy is, right? And they don't care. It's like, yeah, Titans yeah. or whoever. <laughs> They're all drunk. I'm not just saying Titans fans get drunk. They're all drunk. No, yes, uh, all fan bases, even not, yeah, all fan bases, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, football note. Um, before we get to the trade talk, what did you think of uh, Dan Quinn being uh, hired by the Washington Commanders? It's okay, I guess. But when uh, so many other franchises are going young, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. innovative, offensive-minded, they go with a defensive coach. They yeah. could have went with Mike Vrabel. What about Mike Vrabel, yeah. who still didn't get a job? Like, yeah. I would have rather have Mike. He's a proven guy, uh, led a team to a playoffs. I understand Dan Quinn, you know, uh, with the Falcons, uh, had a great run, obviously. But that doesn't excite me. It, You know, I was watching ESPN, Stephen A. Smith. You know, my reaction is sort of like his. It's like, you tell me, oh, they hired Dan Quinn. I'm like. All right. Okay. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, it's like I'm not running out buying no commander <laughs> season tickets or anything like this over Dan Quinn. Mm-hmm, Come on. Mm-hmm. Looks like he might have been, you know, they liked him, obviously, or they wouldn't have hired him, but he might have been there, maybe their third or fourth choice. And, you know, that's just what it came to. Here's why I would never hire Dan Quinn. And I know he's a oh. really good football coach. You probably won't agree with this. A lot of people won't. He's 53, I think, which is good for him, but he wears his hat backwards. To me, once you're like, 
early 40s is that's it for wearing your hat backwards. If you're like 50 and you're wearing your hat backwards, you're trying too hard to be a, hey, dude, look at me. I got my hat backwards and I, uh, you got insecurity issues and you're not going to be my football coach. I'm sorry. You, you're, you're sounding too much like Colin Cowherd right now. I If he and said that, I'm Brock sorry. Brock that's me. I never knew he said that. I'm sorry if I, yeah, uh, but that's, I feel yeah, that way. You, you weren't, you, you might've been gone that week. Maybe this was when you were in uh, Japan, but he went on a rant about Brock Purdy and how he is not quarterback material, you know, franchise quarterback material because he wears his hat to He's the 24. back. That's fine though. He's only 24. Oh, okay. That's good. <laughs> Steve Young used to do it when he was like at the end of his run. And I used to look at that going, really? But so when you're 50, I got to make sure I know this. What's yeah. the cutoff age again? Well, I'm really not sure, but I know at 53 is way <laughs> too far one way and 24 is well in the safe zone. So I think is it's 48. Okay. 48. Okay. I'm just asking for a friend. 48. Okay. Uh, to me, I, I, it's like, uh, way, it's uh, like 43 <laughs> right now to me. is Yeah. You know, and it depends if you're in the backyard and it's a hot day and you're working on your lawn or something right. and the sun's on your neck, right. I got to turn my hat backwards to protect my neck. But if you're just out, you know, with your bros, like, hey, look at me, my hat's backwards. I'm 57. It's like, why, boo. Why, why does a hat backward got to be out with your bros? Like, well, because that's what it says when you're that old yeah. and you're wearing it. You're like, oh, where's my bros? Let's get some bros. Oh my gosh. Have some self-respect is all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Okay. All right. I'm going to come in with my hat backwards uh, next time I come into the studio and be like, what's up, bro? Well, I you think know, you're pretty close. <laughs> I mean, I don't, and I'm not asking, but you're, that's why I say, I'm not sure where it is exactly, but I know he's way, Dan Campbell's way past it. And Brock Purdy is, no, there's no problem whatsoever. So I'm probably in the minority okay. there. Right, of course You're not, not going to be my coach. <laughs> he comes in for the interview. Hey, uh, we'll save you a lot of time here. Came in with your hat backwards. You can leave. You're not going to be my – You can leave, right? I don't care what you have to say. <laughs> you know, all the best. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, as far as the trade deadline, Drapes, uh, you've probably seen this. There are some, and these are, you know, yeah. reporter types. But now some people are wondering, gee, is it going to be a dud of a deadline? Because it, yeah. it looks like there are so many teams – that are in buy mode and there aren't enough sellers and it's kind of throwing things out of whack. Yeah. Things seem to be really quiet right now too. And, yeah. you know, I was wondering, I was thinking, I'm like, is this like the calm before the storm? Hopefully, mm -hmm. hopefully we see a flurry of deals. Cause it's been relatively quiet based on all the chatter, all the names that we're hearing out there. And it could be a dud. You know, now I'm hearing, you know, you hear so much about the Lakers. They got to do a move. They, you got to, you know, make a deal. Uh, now I'm hearing it might be more prudent to do it in the offseason. Same mm -hmm. with Sacramento. Maybe you don't make a deal now, but maybe you uh, make a trade uh, in the offseason. We have Frankie Cardicelli on talking about that. And so I, I, I don't know. It, all this hype and all this smoke, if there's not a fire, if, some, if Zach Levine ain't traded, if Caruso or somebody got to get moved here. Mm -hmm. now, I know we had Siakam and I know we had OG, but there has to be some other moves that are going to be made. I wonder if, you know, they're waiting until all-star announcement is over. Like after today, which is supposed to be all about NBA all-star uh, reserves after today, maybe mm. we'll see some flurry of moves. Maybe. We got less than a week now before the trade deadline. And so I'm hoping we get a, some, uh, some moves going on. Yeah. Now some of the talk, we all know some of the talk that you just alluded to, some of that is posturing because you know, if you're if teams are asking for more than you want to give, then you say, "Oh, that's okay. We're going to wait till the 
off season and you're hoping you know that'll loosen things up a little bit but it may not how about this this is a guy that we've talked about um here as uh, a piece from eric corine who's a staff writer for the athletic on the raptors he talks about the remaining raptors most likely to be traded for value and one of them is bruce brown according Ooh. to reports he could be had for i believe it's a first round pick He's uh, two years, $45 million remaining, but he has that club option for next year. So you could, you'd have to pay him. Uh, it's front-loaded, but you could move yeah. off of him if you wanted. If I'm the Kings, I'm looking at that. How about you? I, w- I would look at it, too. I-, yeah. I think Bruce Brown is a nice player. Obviously won a championship uh, with the Denver Nuggets. But why, why did uh, – Indiana get rid of him so quickly. Why would Toronto want to move away from him so quickly? It's mm-hmm. like, man, it, 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 three teams in one year for this guy. I, I think he's a solid player. Mm-hmm. I think he adds some something to your bench. I don't think he's a starter uh, with us. He started 31 games uh, last year, 2022-23 tw- uh, with Denver, helping him win the championship. Good player. I don't know if that moves the needle. That's one of those margin, you know, filling the gaps kind of move I think and if you got to give up you know a late first rounder I, I I would I would be open to that no doubt uh we have um word of an NBA trade nothing major and I can't think of anyone better to report it uh, Simone first told me about it but here to report it Kyle is your your good personal friend Emil Fergoso how about that what do you got Emil yeah, I got the uh, the Memphis Grizzlies per Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. They oh. are trading Stephen Adams to the Houston Rockets for Victor Oladipo and three second round picks. Hmm, three second wow. rounders and Oladipo for Stephen Adams. Yes. Yeah. All right. Wow. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Emil. So there. So maybe maybe that's the you know the the first raindrops in what's going to be a storm here of trades. Yeah, to me that you know Stephen Adams out, you know probably the whole year, and three second round picks. Wow, and to me that signals Memphis obviously in a sort of a rebuild, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the injuries and everything. But Stephen Adams is thirty years old. I thought he was a huge part of you know what they had going on, and when healthy, him and Jaron Jackson Jr. play alongside each other. Great. I, I'm I'm a little shocked by that, to be honest with you. And if you're Houston. Why do you do that move? Uh, you know, I, I don't get it, especially with the guy being out the entire season, being hurt. Well, yeah, I wonder from I'm what we think we know. Yeah, here, the Rockets, suppo- they're, they're supposed to be One more look- year on the contract, yeah. Okay, aren't the Rockets supposed to be looking for help this year because they're another buyer? They look at things and say, hey, we have the ability here. If we can uh, if we can add, we can make a run here. So I'm not sure I completely understand that trade myself. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't get it for either team uh, unless it's you a know precursor. clearing up yeah. some money or something like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. I, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. And in, in wait, wait, wait. Now, you're, are you pick. saying that Emil doesn't know what he's talking about? Is that what you're saying, Kyle? No, I I, I got it right here. I see Woj uh, tweeted. I'm I not know. going to doubt Emil. You know, <laughs> I'm uh, kidding. He, he might he may not know his football, but he knows his. Uh, you know, he, he can read Twitter just like I can. So, <laughs> love you, Emil. <laughs> I'm messing with my guy, but no, it, it this is a, a minor move. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't mm-hmm. make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, we just mentioned it because we're just talking trades, and thank you, Simone, for that update. When we come back, uh, Dame has never been known as a two-way player, but to me, and I love Dame, but I think he's trying to have it both ways here. Uh, drive guys, roll on with that next. Sackdown Sports. 
This would have been a very appropriate song when you were in the ballroom putting on your boogie shoes, but today Kyle Draper is in uh, his uh, his plush quarters in uh, Indianapolis. Uh, coming to you. <laughs> on the road. We appreciate you being with us on the road. Giving us a, a flavor yeah, of what's on, uh, going on. I, I tell you what, man. This was a struggle uh, coming on for this show. I, I was so tired. A little jet lag. You know, just hopped off that two and a half hour, almost three hour flight. And uh, like I mentioned, the guys hit the ground and just went right to practice. But, you know, this I'm a little jet lag. But I, I'm giving you my A-minus game which is uh, better than a lot of people's A-plus Oh, games. absolutely. So I hope you appreciate yeah, that. First yeah, first-class stuff. I hope stuff. you appreciate that. Yeah, I want to <laughs> share you with you something here from, uh, you mentioned your good friend Emil. Emil just posted something, sacktownsports.com, a great story he wrote about uh, Brock Purdy. And what do you mm. think of this, Kyle? Uh, long before Brock Purdy took over for Jimmy Garoppolo, which was halfway through the 2022 season, Kyle Shanahan pulled Jed York aside and told him that Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, could be the guy the 49ers had been looking for. Jed York spoke to the media today. Wow. He told that story. What do you think? How about that? Then how come he went into the season with Trey Lance and then Jimmy Garoppolo as quarterback? Now? Well, it took him a while to realize what they had. Remember, Brock Purdy, <laughs> I have to admit, uh, I was working, at, you know, doing some filling stuff, Station San Francisco, and there was a guy I was working with that was telling me, um, I think Brock Purdy's going to make the team. And I was like, Dude, you're out of your mind. Who is this guy? And they had right. Nate Sudfeld at the time, and they had actually given him not much, but they'd given him a guaranteed deal, and he knew the system. And I was telling people, if you think this guy, whoever he is, is going to make the team, you don't know what you're talking about. And sure enough, he's on his way to the Super Bowl now. So I, I, I did not see that coming. My point being, it took the 49ers and Kyle – a little time to realize, yeah. wow, we've really got something here. Yeah, and think about it, man. Like, everybody missed on Brock Purdy. Even to an extent, the 49ers missed. Yes, you know? yes. Because uh, they had several times that they could have taken him. Like, the entire league got this guy wrong. And here he is about to lead the Niners to the Super Bowl. This is, you know, that quote you just said mm -hmm. and, and that Emil wrote about. When they do the Disney movie, that's going to be in there. Oh, yeah. You know, that that scene, you know, the practice and everything. Like, yeah, I'm telling you, this guy, this Brock Purdy kid, he might be the best one of them all. You know, it uh -huh. might be a flashback or something like that. But that, that's truly tremendous. Yeah. I think Ryan Reynolds would be a good Kyle Shanahan. But I think in the movie, they'd have to make it where he knows, you know, it's in a movie, it's different. So he knows he's the guy, but it's like, God, the world's not ready for him yet. I got to bide my time here. I just don't know. Right. <laughs> Michael, Sarah, I don't know who's going to play Brock Purdy. So we'll see. We got plenty yeah. of time to figure that out. Yeah. Do so yeah, you have any thoughts, Simone, casting, on who would be? Simone call. might have a good idea. Emil had mentioned it first. Jeremy Allen White might be a good <laughs> Brock Purdy. I don't know. We'll have to call him now. We got to, you know. I gotta... hate the idea of Michael Sarah. you just Do you? It, it looks just like him. You don't think he looks just like Brock Purdy? No, I'll, I'll look it up right now, but not at all. Oh, Michael Sarah's really- Who is it? Who'd you, who'd you say, Mike? Michael Sarah was on, um, he's not on a lot of things now. He was super on bad. Arrested Development. Yeah, yeah, super bad. Yeah. Let me see. Yeah. Very skinny Let me look kid. Up real quick. Yeah. yeah. Some one, one of my favorite movies, uh, This Is The End. I can see end. it. Uh, yeah. A little uh, bit. Yeah. A little yes. bit. I can yeah. see Time it. Time out. Yeah. Time yeah. out, you guys. <laughs> Let's get it together. <laughs> I'm going to think no. of a good candidate for real. I reject yeah. this. No, it's- Seriously, there's like a picture. You just I just googled him, and there's like a picture that's 
the third picture, it looks like, and he looks just like Brock Purdy, Thank except you. the hair. Thank like you. you change the hair, yep. he looks the face, yep. he looks just like Brock Purdy. Yep, I think so. We'll we see. will we will find a different candidate by the end of the All show. Right. I promise you. <laughs> yeah, we're at least we're gonna at least gonna have Michael Sarah read for it. All right, we're at least gonna bring him in for for a reading. Um, yes, yes. Kyle, what'd you think of uh, Dame's return to Portland last night? The Blazers win the game. I love Dame, and it was very emotional, and it was really I've. Rarely do you have a guy, you know, he's somewhere, he demands a trade, he comes back, and everyone says, oh, we still love you. It's nice when it happens. Yeah. It happened last night. I know there was one kid had a sign that said, get your ring and come back home. <laughs> it was really unusual right. last night. Very unusual. Uh, an outpouring of love and emotion. And, you know, I, I had read that they gave him two video tributes. Yeah. Uh, one in the first half and one in the second half as well. And I think Dame said in, in the post game, or maybe somebody had said that they don't rule out a reunion, you know, like a retire a blazer for a day kind of thing, you know, come back, sign a one day contract and retire a blazer. And the fact that Adidas, you know, which is Dame's sneaker company, uh, they renamed the court out there in Portland, their facility after Dame Lillard. I mean, there's a, a love mm. affair between that city and, and that player. And uh, I'm glad it worked out like that because it ended kind of badly. You know, it, it got kind of ugly uh, there at the end uh, as they were trading him. But uh, no, that was great to see. And, and the Blazers got the win, too, which yeah. was uh, a shock in and of self. You know, like Scoot Henderson looked great out there last night. Mm hmm. To me, Dame's having it, uh, trying to have it both ways a little bit. And I understand it's very emotional. But, he, you know, he did ask out, and he's now a Milwaukee Buck. And that's just the way it is. But he says, you know, I'm not ruling out. I'll come back here someday and wear a Blazer yeah. uniform. And I'm like, you you know, you can't say that now. You want it out of there. But no, Blazer fans like are LeBron eating it up. LeBron with Cleveland. Yeah. Whitey, it's LeBron with Cleveland. Nobody ever thought Cleveland and LeBron would have a reunion. And look what happened. He went back there won a championship and so Cleveland LeBron is like Cleveland's native son is sort of similar with Dame the door will always be open for Dame Lillard I think in Portland mm -hmm. what did you think of KD's return to Brooklyn where they're like people are asking him do you think and he's like I don't care I'm not even gonna wonder what could have happened what happened happened it was great and now I'm moving on if I'm KD and I'm I'm, I'm with him 100 yeah. percent that chapter when I go to Hall of Fame in Springfield I don't want the Brooklyn chapter to be written because right. it, it, it is probably the biggest what if, what if could been, what could have been story in the NBA between him, Kyrie and James Harden. And they only played a handful of games together. Like that was an experiment that blew up in all of their faces. And if I'm KD, I don't want to remember that time in Brooklyn. Although he did say the fan base there gets him. Like, he feels like, you know, that fan base, that Brooklyn Nets playing there, you know, really connects with him. Mm -hmm. But from an organizational standpoint, it was a disaster. Mm -hmm. I think he's very sensitive because he feels like someone will look at that as a that was a failure. And you were with the Warriors, and you left the Warriors a great team. Yeah. And you went to Brooklyn, and you failed. And obviously, he's very sensitive about that. Um, but I believe, Kyle, you may know better than I, I think Beal and Booker and Durant – have already played as many games together, just about as many games as Harden and Kyrie and Durant played yes. uh, when they were all together in Brooklyn, which is shocking. Yeah, 
Yeah, they, they showed that last night, I think, on the broadcast. And it, it's unbelievable that those three. And remember, Beal missed the first quarter of the season right. or whatever it was. You know, he was out uh, for most of the season to start. And so that's why I talk about if I'm Kevin Durant, that, you know, teaming up with Kyrie and, and James Harden, it just didn't work out. It sort of reminded me of, and to a lesser extent, Charles Barkley joining Pippen and Clyde Drexler and yes. Elijah. Like it, a lot of talent, a lot of names. It just didn't work out. You could argue Carl Malone and Gary Payton going to the Lakers, even though they made it to the finals. You know, you talk about a, a team that, you know, came up short. Like when they were introduced, remember, and I was just thinking this, they were hired Steve Nash as the coach. And then they're like, well, we really don't need a coach. You yeah. know, we, we got us three, you know. That's like, when I knew that was doomed. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, right from the start, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, how the Kings defense made things tough on their offense in Miami is next with the Drive Guys on Sackdown Sports. 